2: Food for thought. These weeks go by so fast. We are heading into week 10. Can't believe it. The Chief is out there tying the knot. So big congrats to Will Priester. But we got a full house here today. TJ Swartz jumping in and co-hosting. Busy Monday in sports. And we had a hell of a weekend in the NFL. What's going on, buddy? How are you?
3: We did have a hell of a weekend. I'm doing well. And you, my friend, had more of a hell of a weekend than the rest of us did. And so I'm looking forward to diving into that with you um life's good lots of nfl lots of nba content i'm just putting out uh stuff like crazy for roto grinders right now i think from saturday and sunday i had seven articles seven shows uh and now we're keeping it going here on mondays so uh life's good a little sleepy but life's good yeah i went through my
2: fair share of casamigos between 1 and 7 30 yesterday uh, we have bob bolio in the house bob you were on food for thought uh, almost exactly a year ago uh so welcome back and uh, you don't have facial hair this time actually i don't think we had video last year so if you if you know bobby v you see him streaming in the madden community frequently he says he plays competitive uh i don't know how you do it man but thanks for jumping on (laughs) how are you after that birds birds boys game yesterday Oh, I will tell you, uh, it was, I watched it in Atlantic city. I just
4: got back from Atlantic city. Um, it was a insane game. I was actually live streaming it for, uh, for my people on Twitch while I was at the casino yesterday and people were like, you know, GG good game. Good game. After, uh, the Cowboys second penultimate possession. And I told everybody, I'm like, listen, Cowboys got three timeouts. The Eagles love to snatch uh defeat from the jaws of victory and they almost did it yesterday. So We'll talk about that game in a little bit, but uh, also like TJ said, I want to talk about you because you had yourself a hell of a day yesterday. So,
2: Yeah, snuck into the king of the beach. It was a hell of a sweat. But first of all, really cool to have you guys both on together because TJ, you and agents of fandom and and Bobby with your brand you have going on, um, just cool culture stuff and a big crossover between your audiences. Like, you know, obviously uh, many people that are into film and, you know, and all that are also into DFS and gambling and sports go figure. And and Bobby, there's obviously a huge parallel between uh, Madden nerds like yourself and me and, you know, gamers and uh, who obviously, you know, play DFS. And, and I'm sure there's people popping in uh, to both your DMS and Twitch streams asking about who they should play and things like that. So um, cool to kind of just like intertwine these communities and, and bringing everything together here for the show. And uh, I, I just like tying that together. So, I had played Alvin Kamara yesterday, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that, TJ. And I also did not play any Eagles. And um I've never made the King of the Beach. I've never made an NFL live final, so I'm like grateful and, and super happy. I've made a handful of NBA live finals. Came really close to the king of the beach last year. I didn't chase it really as hard as I did today, but I backtracking I won I won my ticket to the second round. Uh, in a showdown contest a couple of weeks ago when it was uh Bears and Commanders, the DJ Moore Nuke game, I had him at captain, uh, and Fields at the flex. So I you know, crept ahead of everyone that had Fields at captain because Moore took basically almost all of his points, it was a crazy funnel. And then I faded Brian Robinson chalk that was that day. And I, when Sam Howell, Howell dropped back to throw, 50, what 35 straight attempts, I think. I had all the cheap pass catchers. So like I could not have hit a home run anymore. Super awesome slate. Fast forward to the qualifier yesterday uh, and I wasn't on crunch time and thanks for filling in for me, TJ. And Mm -hmm. I I needed every minute of that noon to one window. I had one entry to the king of the beach, 30% advance, roughly 30%. You have to finish top 75 of two hundred and fifty. which, so there's a little more wiggle room between a normal, a normal GPP, um, and like playing double up. So, you know, weird, weird kind of like mindset to have, you don't want to play too crazy with one entry. You want to play some optimal ish kind of like the right plays. And then kind of wherever you land with some of your other, like two or three pieces. Uh, so I ended up playing Kamara. He came in at 46% in the King of the beach qualifier, massive number. Um, I ended up playing Josh Jacobs, who was good chalk. And, uh, Anthony Pierce was just slobbering over him in, in press conferences this week. And I expected a ton of touches, uh, and Jonathan Taylor, uh, massive Taylor and Jacobs. And I know you guys both had lineups and had massive first halves yeah. and did next to nothing in the second half. Mm-hmm. So I was buried, uh, while the Eagles game was going on. So my three V three debate pre-lock was Jalen hurts, AJ Brown and Chris Olave or Dak CD lamb and Kamara. So, um, it was basically Eagles or Cowboys, and which Saints piece? And after the first effing drive of the Saints game, TJ, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I made, I'm on the wrong side of my 3v3 already. Chris Olave heavily involved. That was it. That was it. That was, that was it for Chris Olave. And I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna like send the reins over to you about Alvin Kamara soon. Um, so I was kind of like bumming and, Uh, I made a lot of good fades. I faded Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary shocks. Not fun. Terry McLaurin came in at 34% in the qualifier. He was pretty quiet as well. Um, And what was the other big fade I had? It It was a pretty substantial one. Um, I'll circle back to it, but the problem is that the guys that the cheap pieces that I had in the one o'clock games, weren't doing anything. I, I went with Jamison Crowder, you know, huge week filling in for Curtis Samuel the previous week, Sam Howell, throwing the ball a ton. Um, he was pretty quiet as well. Um, Kyle Pitts was okay. We'll get into the Falcons and, um, you know, Kamara, uh, dud it out. So I knew going into that four o'clock window, I was buried. I was in, I think 214th place. I was like bottoming out at. While the Eagles game kicked off, I was absolutely buried. I needed two absolute ceiling nukes from Dak and CD, and I got them. So for basically 80% of the day, I was on the wrong side of that 3v3, you know? Um, A.J. Brown, first drive, three for, like, 36. I'm like, here we go. Jalen Hurts got a tush-push, right? Here we go. It was pouring. Everything was going wrong, and then slowly but surely – No one could cover CeeDee Lamb, and I know that really boils your blood, Bob. You bring in Kevin Byard, it doesn't seem to matter, and things like that. But I will say this. I straddled that 30% line. I cashed no other GPPs yesterday. I bubbled on that, like, 18 20%, snuck into King of the Beach, came in 64th. And, I mean, it came down to the last drive. I know a lot of people rostered Josh Jacobs. He lost a 100-yard bonus on his last carry. That lost me three points. And... Uh, if the Eagles got the ball back, I probably would not have won. So, super cool. I snuck in, dodged a couple bullets. The the, the best gift the Cowboys have ever given me, and the probably only one. But also, big shout-out to Squirrel Patrol. He snuck in and got the last spot, 75th place in King of the Beach. So, super excited to get down there and uh, hang out with Squirrel for a little. And, um, you know, anytime you can get with Squirrel and just you know talk to someone who's been so successful is awesome. So, big shout-out to John. And... I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on collectively yesterday? And I was kind of texting you guys throughout the day, and you probably thought I was dead, because I thought I was dead. Like, objectively, I'm like, dead. TJ, I mean, after that Saints game, what were your what were your thoughts on kind of the afternoon?
3: Here's the thing. I didn't think you were too, too dead, because you, you messaged me in the morning about that 3v3 of, like, which side. And I'd have felt pretty terrible if it didn't go well, because I, I definitely said the DAC and the CD side. And then on crunch time yesterday... Um, I had a nice little day yesterday on uh, for Roto Grinders content because on the NBA expert survey, I called a thirty-point triple double for Lamelo Ball and he had a thirty-point triple double. Um, but then on uh, crunch time, I called two hundred yards receiving for CD Lamb in this one, and he finished with one ninety-one. Um, and so I did feel very good about CD Lamb, and that was like the hottest of the the takes, and so he definitely hit the ceiling of the hot take um and it took a lot to get there but that made me feel a lot better about your chances that was the only reason i cashed yesterday was cd lamb in cash games and then on a few gpp teams as well with a little aj brown cd lamb Dak prescott uh stack so um not as big of a week as you but i was riding that same train that's what that's what got me in above the min cash lines last week I mean, it,
2: it's great to have a, a meaningful sweat once in a while. They're far and few in between. Sometimes, as every DFS is so competitive, the field is so sharp. There are just more and more fantastic tools on every platform. We roto grinders just um, unleashed Sim Labs, which kicks ass. Sim Labs is unbelievable. And I and I just want to say, I toyed with it yesterday morning, and I was like, put in some like, basic parameters, um, like medium variant, whatever it was. Nothing crazy. Nothing like kind of in between like you know average settings and i i said oh give me 100 lineups it spit out the most cj stroud so kudos to, to roto grinders and sim
3: labs like unbelievable i gotta say like so i was utilizing them a lot in my research and i tried to um i hand built a 20 entry max in the three dollars and then i used the sim labs to go 150 max in the mme and i did like I dictated what quarterbacks I wanted to use and, like, like a couple receivers to use in a stack for, like, 10 at a time, 15 at a time, and then I'd import them. Everything I adjusted and did myself did poorly and everything that it spat out for me and I was like, eh, I don't know, it would have absolutely smashed.
2: We're kind of tying in a little elephant in the room segment in our DFS review here, so... Uh, before I ask you about the birds, Bobby CJ Stroud, uh, suddenly, suddenly the AFC South has four <sighs> rising quarterbacks. And if they all marginally live up to the hype, you know, me, obviously a Titans fan, but going to be a hell of a division, fun, fun games yeah. with four quarterbacks and CJ Stroud, uh, who cares about the wonderlick uh, Wonderlick tests and all that stuff. Just, they got a winner in CJ Stroud, dude.
4: Yeah. The wonder it might be overrated and kind of ironic watching uh, CJ Stroud bounce back after, you know, the Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud game last week. And we'll talk about, maybe we won't talk about Bryce Young today because he was just god awful. His favorite receiver yesterday was Kenny Moore. But, um, yeah, CJ Stroud just looks like a world beater right now, man. I mean, maybe we just underestimated it. We talked about Damian Pierce. We talked about it yesterday morning while you were sweating through your your lineup, the you know, debacles. But, um, you know, no Damian Pierce in the lineup yesterday for the Texans. Like, maybe we just didn't think about just how much this team was going to pass the ball against a past funnel Buccaneers defense and pass the ball. They did CJ Stroud breaking the single game uh, was a single game rookie passing yards record in a game, breaking Andrew Luck, another, you know, AFC South quarterback uh, that record in the process. And yeah, CJ Stroud looks like the man right now. Um, Fine compliment of wide receivers right now. I took took Nico Collins in one of my parlays to get 75 yards yesterday. I believe the only receiver that did not get 75 yards yesterday (laughs) for that Texans team, Um, Dalton Schultz, uh, Brown, um, Tank Dell, everybody. Everybody but Nico Collins. But, yeah, uh, CJ Stroud looks very, very good. And I got to say, by the way, you know, we talk about these parallels between Madden and, and, um, you know, real-life NFL. Kudos to the coaching staff um, of the Texans yesterday because something that may have gone under the radar for a lot of people, Saints, they go down and they march down the field, 75 yards, just that go ahead, touchdown with like less than 10 seconds left. Instead of kicking the extra point, they go up now the the line NFL may have made the call here, right? It was, I believe it was, uh, it was a uh, Saint or Texans was it? minus three and a half or two and a half yesterday. And they go up 39, 37, instead of kicking the extra point, you don't want to risk it getting blocked it getting sent back the other way, going for two the other way, tied up 39, 39. They go for what seems like a two point conversion. I'm watching the game live. I'm like, what are they doing? They just kneel the ball. Don't risk it. Don't do anything. Something that you don't see a lot of NFL coaches do, whether it be game management, time management, clock management, just genius on their part. So, um, you know, the Texans look really good. AFC South is going to be in good hands for years to come. And, uh, yeah, you let me know if we want to talk Eagles-Cowboys yet because uh, I, I, I can I, I, can, I, I, I will can, talk just, for hours
2: about it. I, I will, but just to add to that, and I'll throw it to TJ, uh, Kimey Fairband was banged up. So, Darren Boogan. oh, my God, a and Galway, I haven't said his name in a year, so give me a break. Once I get a couple of weeks under my belt, I'll nail it. But he kicked – he was kicking. So um, not only was that interesting, but there was some really sharp people and a couple people that had the cojones to play Noah Brown in the qualifier. It was 9%, and he absolutely smashed. A guy I kind of considered at like 1255. Like I was just like cycling through my process. Uh, Noah Brown, TJ. Uh, Everyone but Nico
3: yesterday. Tank Dell is so damn good too. I mean. The Texans are fun. Yeah. Nico. Yeah. The Nico not getting there was tough. I, I think I had Nico, Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz in my one CJ Brown stack. And so subbing uh tank Dell in for Nico Collins would have been very nice in that one, but yeah, they all were just nuts. I, I got overweight on Noah Brown. So I liked that, uh, that happening quite a bit, even though I was underweight on Stroud, which made me quite sad, but the offense looked great. And honestly, more than anything else going forward, it kind of made me just want to make sure I'm always circling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on uh, on uh, on the schedule and looking that. Hey, even if they don't maybe have the most elite quarterback, most elite offense going next to them, it's a better matchup than uh, than we think. The overall uh, numbers don't look great, but it's a pass funnel, unlike I think any others than maybe the Eagles. That it's very easy to uh, put up passing yardage and fantasy points on. Yeah, uh, so
2: we'll get to the look ahead, which is. Truly, a, a first look for me. Typically, I, I you know I open up the salary and like whatever sticks out. Look at the games and the in the environments. Uh, but Will Levis has entered the chat for next week. Then TJ, there, there's exactly what you described. Unproven quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins, and oh no look, it's Tampa Bay. So, uh, we will get there. Uh, before I let Bob run with this Eagles situation in another NFC East clash, I do I do want to ask you about New Orleans, uh, because Alvin Kamara was mega chalk, and it's funny you brought up Madden, and I think there are, and you could probably vouch for this, there are probably people that aren't super into football, but kind of learn coverages by playing video games and and yeah. figuring out what they are. So here, this was part of my uh, theory behind, wow, Alvin Kamara's probably going to smash on Sunday, and he didn't, is because the Bears play the most cover two in the league. And he's kind of the same type of running back as Austin Eckler. Yeah. Chicago's very good against the run. But you have one-on-one in the flats all day against cover two. And we saw Eckler absolutely demolish Chicago. Did nothing on the ground. I didn't expect Kamara to go in there and have 90 yards. He's averaging three and a half yards a carry like the whole year, basically. But I expected him to take advantage of that. I'm just an armchair guy who won one King of the Beach ticket. I'm not Dennis Allen. But (laughs) I played a little Madden. (laughs) I know what cover two is. I know what a freaking beat it. Like, But why? More importantly, why? On a day where... Alvin Kamara was such a big of everyone's decision-making, especially mine, because he was kind of in the heart of my, do I want to rather spend that salary on like AJ Brown kind of thing? Or do I want to like not pay for Kamara and get Jalen Hurts as like my 8K spend? Is there something I didn't read or is there something you saw? Or is this just a Dennis Allen shouldn't be a head coach thing that Alvin Kamara played a season low 49% of the snaps? I saw Jamal Williams have an entire, I think second series. And I'm like, Holy God, what did I miss? Is Kamara tweak his ankle already? I even texted you. What happened to Kamara? And it was just the Saints being the Saints. So
3: why season low in snaps for their arguably best player, TJ? So I think it, w- it wasn't any big crazy thing. It wasn't anything that happened to him other than the fact that he had been getting workhorse level work for the last four, five, six weeks without uh, Jamal Williams, without Kendry Miller, ever since he came back from injury. He's starting to get older and he's also never been a guy that has gotten any more than like 70% of the snaps, 65% of the snaps. And so I think this was just regression to the mean. Um, This was simply all the other running backs were finally healthy and they didn't need Kamara to go absolutely crazy. They didn't have a huge lead, but they felt mostly in control of this one throughout the time that they were playing. Um, And so I think it was a case of just Jamal Williams was finally fresh, healthy, ready, Kendra Miller, who they were wanting to get an extended look at all year long, was finally fresh, ready, not battled by injury anymore until later in the game because he left with an ankle injury. And so chances are we get even more Kamara back next week again. And then Taysom Hill just had a really, really good game. They couldn't stop Taysom – the Bears couldn't stop Taysom Hill every time he went out there, and so they just kept putting him out there. Um, And so it was one of those things where for Kamara owners it was – Bit of a worst case scenario with all of these other factors coming into fruition all at once. Um, but I don't think it was any panic button worthy uh, situation, especially with Kendry Miller already being back hurt again. Yeah, a t- tough one. I mean,
2: I- I'm not tilting. Yeah, you know, I had a good day and I still think he should have been involved in the past game a little more. I-, I think he had five targets. I think three or four were before, you know, two minute drill before halftime. Look, and just, I just, you know,
3: i'm not a big know. dennis allen fan but the guy that i am i like less is pete carmichael the offensive coordinator That's where it's like point. again last game i don't know if it was a good uh, read on that because they did a few different things and like michael thomas only had one target in the whole game but he also was just doing a phenomenal job of blocking and he was actually a very integral part of that offense that, uh that day but Derek Carr has been one of the more accurate QBs in the league this year on one specific thing on one specific route. And it is ones that break inwards slants posts, ins, things that break inwards. There were one and two game sets of Michael Thomas back in 2018, etc., where he would run more slants in those two games than he has throughout the course of this entire season so far. Um, they're just not doing the You have a quarterback who's good at one thing and it's throwing in slants and posts and you have a receiver who's maybe the best at running slants in the history of the NFL with Olave and Shahid who are speed burner guys who can go over the top. They're, the, the way they run their entire offense right now is just pathetic. Like They're not, I don't think they're some elite Super Bowl contending team. They are winning their division right now, but they should be dominating that division based on what they have. They have one of the league's best defenses, a uh, mediocre to maybe slightly below average, average quarterback, but with one of the best offensive surrounding casts around him in terms of playmakers, their only real downside is their offensive line, which now that they're getting healthy, isn't terrible again. So it's more Pete Carmichael than anything else for me. Yeah.
2: Bobby, uh, just kind of piggybacking on some thoughts here about the saints is uh, two things. Uh, Derek Carr's red zone struggles have been well-documented. So kind of agonizing for us as DFSers and bettors, but kind of a perfect marriage having a guy like Taysom Hill. And it seems like they're going to keep incorporating him more and more. Uh, anytime he gets those carries and he's sub 5K, yeah, you got to consider him. Also, you and I, Bob, talked about Jawan Johnson. And he, a game in the previous week, TJ, where, where the Saints didn't have to throw the ball too much. he I think he ran the fourth most routes in the team. So it looked like he was kind of on the way back. Uh, and now he's, like, back. And he had the game. And he caught the red zone touchdown. He had five targets. And Jimmy Graham wasn't inactive. So that that's a big thing. And I, I think Jawan Johnson is a thing moving forward here, Bobby. Like, you got any additional thoughts on the Saints?
4: Uh, no, I think everybody kind, of, everybody kind of touched on everything. TJ, like he, he was saying, um, I feel like the Saints were really just kind of playing with their food a little bit with Chicago yesterday. I don't think they really took them too seriously. They were just kind of trying to get out of that game. Um, You saw that Taysom Hill had more carries than Alvin Kamara. They were running a lot of Wildcat. Um, Really just trying to pound the the, uh, the game away, just trying to chew some clock. And, yeah, we we were a little bit perturbed by the lack of Kamara in the second half because I believe he had four catches for like 44 yards in the first half. Didn't see a single catch or target in the second half and just – just completely disappeared. But that is kind of the way that things go sometimes in the Saints' offense. They have a lot of options. Um, It could be any given week sometimes. It could be the Taysom Hill hat trick one week. It could be Alvin Kamara, one one rushing, one receiving touchdown the next. It's just it's hard to peg this team down sometimes. But uh, the Saints, like TJ said, they probably should be running away with that division right now because I think they're the best team in that division and it's not really particularly close.
2: They seem complete. You know, Tampa has its strengths, uh, but we saw some – their weaknesses get seriously exploited. And and before we go too far, all right, birds and the Cowboys, and I'll give you a first crack here, Bobby. There are defenses, you know, that are funnels and defenses that shut down the run and make offensives one dimensional. Is that the case with Philly or are they just blatantly bad against the pass?
4: They are blatantly bad. I mean, they are a pass funnel defense, 100%, but they are also just blatantly that bad against the pass. I don't think the Eagles have had a bad rushing defense, since as long as I can remember. Maybe the dream team back with Vince Young in 09, (laughs) maybe before Fletcher Mm -hmm. Cox got into the league. The Eagles have always been a, a good run defense. They've always had Fletcher Cox there in the middle. Now we've got Jordan Davis. I mean, they just have just a lot of big bodies there in the middle. But... These last two years with Jonathan Gannon last year, and now Sean Desai at a uh, defensive coordinator for the Eagles, they have just implemented this stock send for pass rush over and over again. And it worked last year. It worked really well last year. Some games it worked better than others this year. It has not worked as well. And you're seeing it because all of these quarterbacks have so much time in the pocket. Um, the pass rush isn't getting home. And even if it does get home, the secondary might not be as good either. The secondary might have to be talked about going forward with this Eagles team. I mean, we have aging cornerbacks and Darius Slave. Bradbury looks like he may have also lost a step here. Kevin Byard, I don't know. It's still too early to see on Kevin Byard. He talked post game saying that he hasn't lived up to his standards yet. So I respect that. and Maybe he'll figure it out moving forward. Um, Eli Ricks looked completely out of his element yesterday. They threw him in the slot a couple of times against CeeDee Lamb. Just absolutely got fried. But this stock send four pass rush that the Eagles love to send, it's just not the move. And as long as they continue to do it, which it seems like they're going to, the Eagles will be a team to to circle on your DFS slates. And just, I mean, they are allowing currently, I believe the second most passing yards in general, passing yards per game uh, to the chargers, I believe in in first on the season right now. And it's not going to change anytime soon. They've let up four 300 yard passers this year. Uh, Kirk Cousins, um, Dak yesterday, uh, Sam Howell, who they've let, allowed almost 700 yards to in two games, and Mac Jones in week one. Mac Jones, who couldn't figure it out against Washington <laughs> yesterday, who's also one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Oh. So, this uh, Eagles defense is a pass funnel 100%. And they just don't like, they just send this stock send four. There's no stunts, there's no There's no creativity. It's, it's literally a stock as a send four pass rush, as you can see in the NFL and Dak had all time in the pocket yesterday, and anytime the Eagles would send another, if they would send a fifth, a sixth, anytime time they blitzed, good things happened. Pressures were happening, incompletions were happening. You saw. The Cowboys, realistically, as an Eagles fan, Luch, you know that I'm not biased. I'm as, as level-headed as an Eagles fan as there is. The Eagles, for all intents and purposes, probably should have lost that game yesterday. The Cowboys had more than enough chances. They left a lot of points on the board, multiple missed fourth down on the goal line opportunities. I mean, they got tackled short a knee down at the half inch yard line uh, on one Dak steps out of bounds on a potential two point conversion where late in the game, <sighs> they wouldn't have had to throw that hail Mary. They could have kicked three and went to overtime. Just so many missed opportunities for the Cowboys. And when I tell you, I'm going to try to keep a PG here, but um, yeah, I'll just say parts of my body puckered like a Venus flytrap on that final possession of the game where Ceedee lamb caught the ball at the two yard line and started running. An absolutely uh, barn burner of a game in the final five minutes yesterday. And, uh, yeah, the Cowboys are, are still a very good team. It, it may very well come down to a Philly-Dallas NFC championship right now because they may be the best two teams in the NFC. I don't know what's going on with the Niners, but for now the Eagles are 8-1, and, and, and I can uh, breathe a sigh of relief going into the bye week because we got a little bit dinged up. Dallas Goddard got dinged up yesterday. Devontae Smith was a little bit gimpy toward the end of the game. Um, Bradbury, I think I bet Jalen, the knee still doesn't look good either. Jalen, you kind of see, like, he doesn't really look like he wants to run. Like when he goes toward the sideline, he's just kind of just jogging where he could get a couple more yards. He just kind of just brazenly just jogs to the sideline. So yeah, the Eagles, uh, by, we could not come at a better time. They got an absolutely hell stretch of games coming up. We've got, uh, Dallas a second time. We've got the Niners chiefs bills. It's going to get buddy. tough. I'm buckled up.
3: Buckle up. And I think throughout that entire stretch, the Eagles are going to be, my favorite team to target offenses, like passing games on in DFS for every single reason that Bobby just said, in addition to the fact that they're really good. And so that means one of two things, it can turn into a shootout kind of like last games was. um, And you don't have to worry about teams just taking their foot off the gas and then, uh, and then running the ball. But additionally, you find the games like the Sam Howell game, like uh, the Patriots game where, yeah, maybe the Eagles are just up like 28 points. And so the quarterback has no choice but to do anything other than pass and you can get all these garbage time second half points. So you throw in the pass funnel, you throw in the lack of creativity on the the rush um, and just how successful teams have been and, and then throw in the fact how successful that offense is too. It's really just the best case scenario for DFS every week.
2: They want to play that bend but don't break scenario except they're breaking. They're breaking. There's blown coverages. They're just uh, out, out scheme, miscommunicate, some miscommunication. That's one thing Kevin Byard should bring is communication. Um, He, I said this last week on the pod with Chief. He's not the same 25 year old Kevin Byard. He, he's not. He's not. But he will be in the right place. Now is he going to be able to execute? He, he truly makes the rest of the secondary better just on his communication. Bottom line is he has no pass breakups, no INT so far this year, and he hasn't looked particularly break. Here's one you'll like. He came to Philly and got an unsportsman like at a bad time. He had two and seven years in Tennessee, by the way. Two. So I think I think everyone's a little bit frustrated on the defensive side of the ball because those are talented proven winners. They're just aging a little. The scheme yep. kind of sucks. So it's a it seems like a pretty bad combination of things. But if they just mix it up a little, God forbid they get a little exotic in the playoffs. And 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 you know what? That would be perfect. Because none of that's on film this year, send a little more play uh, heat when it matters during the playoffs and mix it up. And and they can get by, they have one loss, you know. They don't need to put that stuff on tape right now if they're in control of the NFC. Yeah,
3: that's what I was going to say as well. This could be a little bit of a case of chess, not checkers. And yeah. we don't need to show you anything other than our base looks because of throughout the whole season because of how good our team is. Yeah.
2: The Eagles are, are, are you know. Maybe this, there's this stigma with Philly that they're just, you know, oh, you know, you're the Eagles, we're the Eagles. But, like, don't don't get it twisted. You might not like the coordinators. You might you might not like the defensive, you know, guys on the sideline there, but they're not stupid. So I think you're absolutely right, and you have seen teams do not a total 180 schematic switch, but they're in the regular season in a team that's really not fighting for their lives right now. They're kind of coast. I know the games have been close, but when you look at the, you know, the overall record, they're they can coast a little bit. You know, regroup. Don't show a lot. I think it's a good point, TJ. Um, but and they keep getting they keep getting it done. I want I want to also say this is really funny too because I talked about this uh, yesterday morning. Every time bet mgm's begging for action, they've been boosting prop plays. The, 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 there's been total flops. They they boosted AJ Brown's 100 plus yards, the the plus 200 before lock yesterday. Be- you know they're begging for action when they send push notifications. Like, they want 50,000 people to bet $10, right? Yep. AJ Brown, 68 yards. The touchdown kind of bailed him out for DFS purposes. Um, a couple We just talked about that Chicago-Washington showdown a month ago. Mm-hmm. Brian Robinson, they- everyone in the industry was on his rushing yards. Uh, and bet MGM sent a push out. Bet Brian Robinson rushing. I'm just saying it's kind of funny because, like, these sports books, they're not idiots either. Like, they're going to send stuff out where they want some action. So A.J. Brown had a billion hundred twenty plus receiving yard games in a row. Wow. Wow. OK, they're going to boost me to plus two hundred. Here's my lunch money. Right. So I'm just saying it's a little ironic. right? I'm not like putting my tinfoil hat on about it, but th- the problem is with that matchup. And uh, I dove in pretty hard, but both teams play a ton of man and a ton of single high coverage. Dak has been really good against single high coverage this year. His quarterback rating was over a buck 20. It's probably even higher now entering yesterday's game. CD lamb was incredible against single high, but so was AJ Brown. So I was kind of hoping, you know, they'd get him even a little bit. I mean, the first drive three catches off the bat though. And then, you know, the game kind of went away. And Dallas is a team you can run the ball on too. Like absolutely. So really close game. It's, it's going to be a fun one down in Texas uh, for the rematch, that's that's for damn sure. Yep. But you, you mentioned uh, targeting the Eagles, TJ. We could kind of go hand-in-hand hand with this. My next elephant in the room here uh, is Buffalo and Cincinnati. And I didn't watch the entire game, but I went back and looked through it. Buffalo kind of freaks out and is one of the quicker teams to totally abandon the run. I, I mean, they were down two touchdowns at most in the first half. You don't just totally abandon the run. Uh, down when you're the Buffalo Bills, and have two touchdowns. I think they had eight total running back carries in yesterday's game. Josh Allen had, like, ten rushing attempts. Not sure how many of them were scrambles. But t- absolutely just said, screw the run. Pa- we're freaking out, panic down two touchdowns. Guess we're just going to have to put it in Josh Allen's hands again. And, and you wonder why he's among the league leaders in interceptions and turnovers the last couple of years. It's because, like, Like James Cook was supposed to be a darling of the fantasy industry, and he's pretty good. I'm not saying give the guy 20 carries, he should get 12, 13 every week, no doubt about it. And even in like a little bit of a negative game script, so they're just they totally turn one dimensional. Sucks for the Bills, it's bad for real life football, but it's really good against a team like Philadelphia in a couple of weeks when you know. That Philly's gonna stop the run and Buffalo's, you know, runs the ball twice in the first drive, and it's like, oh uh oh, we're panicking already. Josh Allen's gonna throw the ball 50 times. And and maybe Gabe Davis will actually do something. Like, why is Gabe Davis not involved too? And that's on the coaches because he was barely even targeted. That's the guy that's supposed to open up this offense a little bit. None of us sitting right here have a problem with Stefan Diggs. None of us have a problem with Dalton Kincaid, but to give a rookie 10 targets and to just like knowingly just first read pepper Stefan Diggs every drop back you get a little stale after a while. TJ, what were your thoughts on yesterday's game?
3: He got targeted once and the pass got intercepted and it was like, Allen never looked back to him again for the rest of the game. Um, But that's, I mean, I don't know the the reason why I'm not a, I'm not a rocket uh, rocket surgeon, but you know, that's how Gabe Davis has been for the last like three years. He has three touchdowns and 150 yards, or he has one catch for 16 yards and that's it. And so, Um, that's always kind of been his MO. I don't, couldn't tell you the reason why Josh Allen either seems to pepper him or ignore him, but, um, it's definitely interesting in that matchup against the Eagles down the line. I might even just take some kind of stand and basically go, I'm going to build 150 Josh Allen teams, use the NFL sim labs on, uh, on grinders. build 150 Josh Allen teams. So I get my Diggs-Kincaid combo, Allen-Diggs combo, uh, Davis-Diggs-Kincaid Uh, some with Deontay Hardy, some with Khalil Shakir, and just kind of mix and match, make sure I get all of my uh, bills combos.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: When you shave with Harry's get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at com slash blue wire. That's com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set.
2: Yeah. And in Cincinnati, Bob, uh, a team that's not good at running the ball, but they continue to, to try, but. It's a combination of Joe Burrow, maybe healthier. I don't know. Jamar Chase also could have had an even bigger game, drop the touchdown in the end zone. And then Burrow like severely undergrew him on yeah. a bomb, yeah. So, oh, what, what's your bigger takeaway? Does it say less about the Bills or more about the Bengals?
4: I think it's more about the Bills. We've talked, you know, we've talked at length about the Bills before, and they're just a team that doesn't like to run the ball. Like you said, if they were a more balanced team, uh, maybe even get them a, you know, not to say that James Cook isn't a good running back, maybe get them a more premier, you uh, more ha- of a household name at running back and just throw them 10, 15, you know, carries the game. But they just seem hell bent on passing the ball on the reverse end of the spectrum. The Bengals last night, I had a parlay where I needed uh, Joe Mixon to get 50 yards. He ended with like 37, I believe. The Bengals were up two possessions the entire fourth quarter and kept passing the ball. They didn't want to run the ball. They didn't want to clock the game out for some reason. They just kept passing, kept passing. And um, Jamar Chase, if he has not already, do not be surprised if he winds up on the uh, injury report at some point this week. He took a nasty fall on that, uh, that Joe Burrow under throw last night, came down hard on the ribs. Even Chris Collinsworth said, "Don't call him in the morning. He's gonna wake up. He's gonna crawl out of bed in the morning. It looked rough." So, um, but no, the Bengals. The Bengals are hitting their stride. They look dangerous right now. The Bills. I- I've said this multiple times. Beginning of the season, man. If Aaron Rodgers had not gone down, I thought the Jets were gonna run away with that division. And guess what? They're still within an arm's length of it right now. So that AFC East might come down to it. And who knows? Maybe Rodgers might try to try to push that recovery up a little bit. But uh, yeah, the Bills. Get them a running back, man. Get the run game going. Uh Get the run game going. Stop putting it all on Josh Allen, because then he just goes in the hero ball mode. He took a couple shots last mm-hmm. night, too. Uh, I know you said he didn't see the whole game, but, yeah, he he just took off, and he didn't even try to slide. He was just taking shots. He was just going full Josh Allen, just just
2: schoolyard ball. Switching gears, a lot of storylines in the Minnesota-Atlanta game. Wild finish, 31-28, Vikings. A couple injuries, too. Jaron Hall went down. Looks like Cam Akers might be gone for this season, too. Um Obviously, Drake London didn't play in that game. Josh Dobbs. I mean, just the guy comes in there, barely practiced with the team, was was practicing his cadence with the offensive line on the sideline during the game. Uh, I saw on a Twitter video, and I don't know, man. I mean, I think we have to start with the fantasy football talk is, does Arthur Smith just despise fantasy football? Does he hate everybody? He's got to be the worst coach for this. I mean, Bijan will never see 80% of the carries on, or, or looks under Arthur Smith. He played 61% of the snaps yesterday. Nothing against Tyler Al Jair. Fine football player. But like he's just fine. And he's dominating the red zone touches. I mean, John Smith dominating usage as well when you have freaking Kyle Pitts out there and John who got the screen uh to the house. Fine football player, right? Like But in my humble opinion, Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts are the superior talents compared to their peers in this situation here. And he's just so smug in his press conferences. He just will not rationally answer these questions about why you're not putting your best players in positions to succeed. And uh, whatever, man, I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. We're going to keep chasing Kyle Pitts and we're going to keep chasing Bijan. Until there's a new coaching regime. And honestly, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is until Arthur Smith's out of there, I think. TJ, I mean, well, you have any takeaways with this Atlanta team or is it just kind of the same old story, regardless of personnel on the field?
3: Yeah, same old story. I don't even know if it's – I don't think it's like a vendetta against fantasy football as much as it is a fetish of I need to be right and I need to prove everyone that I am so smart and my scheme works no matter who is in there. It doesn't matter – it doesn't matter what players fit in my scheme. My scheme is the best. I've always kind of thought very like ever since I started, I think this is the case for teaching. I think this is the case for coaching. I think this is the case for hell parenting. I got a baby on the way. So I'm thinking about that stuff too. Um, And I think like a good coach can have this perfect, amazing system that you plug it in, you know, maybe that works in college football because you get to choose your recruiting uh, player who you recruit. And so you put, you pick the players that fit your system. And it's this great system that will almost always work, but a great coach doesn't have a system. They adapt their system to their players. They adapt their system to who their best players are and they utilize them to the best of their abilities. I think it's the same for teaching. It's you have to adjust your teaching styles to your class. If your kids aren't learning one way, you have to adjust it and teach them in another way. Um, same for parenting. You can't, it's not one size fits all with every kid because every kid has totally different needs. Um, and I think that's what Arthur Smith has a bit of a case of is like my scheme works. So we're going to, we're going to ground and pound. We're going to use these guys. He practices hard. And I like the way he protects the ball when he carries it. And so we're going to put him in on the goal line, um, just a very old school, close minded style of thinking,
2: yeah. Bobby, you know what? I think I think Bijan Robinson should walk into that facility tomorrow, slam Arthur Smith's door wide open, look at him dead in the eye, and say, I don't play in a system, I am the system. And the wise words <laughs> of James Harden that's what I think he should do, and then he'll play 20% of the snaps next week,
4: yeah. Probably not the best move. Um yeah, Arthur Smith just – I mean, TJ kind of hit it right on the head, just a very closed-minded way of thinking, and I don't really think there's much more to, to say about it. I mean, unless their prices come down in DFS, it's just not a place that I want to go. Um, it's just – it's hard to peg down this team and, and figure out who's going to be the guy every week, but it just – it seems like it's
2: going to be their their peers and not, you know, Pitts and uh, Bijan as it should be. And we can cover a couple more, Elvin, the room calls here before we start looking ahead. Uh, I'll stick with you there, Mr. Bobby V i know you had lamar jackson yesterday they put up 37 points and he was terrible so talk about uh the i don't even know what you call it like the game script or the very like the touchdown variance completely not going your way and i i was kind of interested in lamar jackson the seahawks play the most zone coverage in the league and he was completing leading the league in completion percentage against zone this year so he didn't play poorly he just had zero touchdown equity Yeah,
4: like you said, uh, Lamar just thrives against zone coverage. I believe 20% more completion percentage uh, against zone than man coverage. And not a bad game. He just didn't even have to play the whole game. Um, Completion percentage was fine. I think he he went, what, 21 for 26 yesterday. Um, Just shy of 200 yards. Didn't really have to play much. Uh, We did get the Odell Beckham birthday narrative touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Baltimore just snuck it in and just forced it to him. Uh, A little maybe squeaky wheel narrative as well. Not happy getting – held catchless last week against Arizona, but yeah, no, this uh, this Ravens team, it was a little bit frustrating yesterday. I did roster uh, Lamar, Mark Andrews, and uh, Odell Beckham yesterday in DFS and uh, in GPPs. And uh, yeah, the floor was there. Uh, The floor was there for Lamar. He had 10 carries for 60 yards. Uh, I mean, just this Ravens team, they just get down the field. Lamar gets them down the field through the air, through the ground. And then, you know, just Gus Edwards had like four carries for like 10 yards and two touchdowns in the first two possessions. And it, at that point, you just know it was going to be a wash. And uh, that Ravens team looks really good right now. I, I'm, I'm curious what you guys uh, – I kind of bounce this question back to you guys. Where would you put the Ravens right now in the AFC? Because, um, I mean, they just throttled the Lions. They throttled the Seahawks. They are, I didn't realize how great Lamar is against the NFC. I believe he's been now, after yesterday, 16-1 and one against the, uh, the NFC in, in recent years or all-time, but uh, the Ravens team looks really good right now.
3: Two? Two to three? I think think I'd probably have – I think I'd have the Chiefs still above them, but that would be about it.
2: I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. I do. Uh, Multiple ways to win games. Lamar throws for less than two hundred. He's efficient. The ground game goes bonkers. Maybe we have something with Mitchell. I don't know if you guys have any Mitchell shares stashed anywhere. I have a, a season long share of him stashed. I mean, <laughs> what what an epic second half for the kid. Um, that division, uh, ah, if it wasn't for the Bengals' slow start, I, you know, coming down the stretch here, like I don't know when do they play? Do they play? Do they play soon? Because Oh, yeah, two weeks, Thursday night football. Well, I got a banger of a Thursday night football game, finally, in two weeks. Bengals-Ravens, um, the rematch. So that that could maybe determine the division when it's all said and done. Um, still don't know what to think of the Browns. Uh, that defense, on paper, should travel every week. This this, this got to throw this week out with Clayton Toon in, in Arizona. like. Yeah you kind of knew that was coming to some degree the previous couple of weeks Cleveland's defense was getting lit up Gardner Minshew ceiling games like leaky defense, which was really surprising to me lately. So I want to see, you know what the next couple of weeks hold for them. I I, I don't know if if the this sounds ridiculous, but in Deshaun's, Watson's state of play, I don't know if they're better with him or PJ Walker right now. I, I don't know. And you got to feel for them without Nick Chubb. Like, The motor that gets them going, but you know, Ford and Kareem Hunt are a serviceable pair, they're not Nick Chubb, so I don't know. I think the Browns have some problems, like more problems. I think the Ravens have the least problems in in that division. And one, I want to talk about one more game, and then you know, whatever we missed, we'll try to overlap in the look ahead. But going back to Germany, going back to Germany, a thorough, a thorough ass kicking in the first half yesterday on Sunday morning. Uh, Miami, you know, almost came all the way back, but. I just have this problem with Miami, and I, I don't, I don't want to say this. I, I guess I do. I think they're fake good uh, when they play a, a formidable, like, like gritty defense. It, it's the same story. All this speed and no spunk. I said this with Chief. I feel like I feel like they need more Dan Campbell and the Lions need more Mike McDaniel. I, I feel like they're just lacking that tough, gritty. Like they are capable of running the ball, but. You know, is is uh, a chain and Moster can hold up between the tackles against a run defense like Philly against like um, I don't know Baltimore. Uh, I just and maybe it's a dumb narrative you feel or, or or I just I've seen it enough now that they just come up short against like good defense like win, win me the win me the twenty seventeen game against against the Ravens or uh, if they would have pulled that game out against the Eagles. Like they had their moments, but they weren't good against Philly. Um, I just have that problem with Miami and here we are. And Kansas city decided to do the Mike Rabel thing for whatever reason and not fly in until Thursday. Miami had, you know, more time there and they just didn't do it for me Two didn't play well. And I don't think that defense is good either. So I just, I just worry a little more about Miami and uh, Dolphin fans probably want to, you know, throw me through the the wall, but I just think they're – I think the hype train is just a tick out of control on Miami. I don't know, you guys on the other side of that fence there, or, or what are you thinking, TJ?
3: I think they got overrated early in the year. I don't think they're necessarily fake good, but I don't think they are as good. They're just not that good. You know what like I mean? Like they're not tier, fake- like second yeah. tier kind of team. Exactly. That defense isn't it. The defense is not that strong. And the offense, I think Mike McDaniel is an incredible, incredible coach and has them playing far above where they'd be with most coaches. And they ha, then they have Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle and all these wildly fast guys. So they can make these things happen, but the team as a whole, the team as an entire unit is not that strong. The offensive line was lights out early in the year. And then they've been dealing with some injuries. They weren't near the same caliber without Teron Armstead in there as with Teron Armstead in there. Um, that defense not strong, like we've mentioned. And and then in the offensive game, like if the first reads aren't there, if the team properly reads the motion, uh, then all of a sudden that offense doesn't look, look that great. And if Tua doesn't have a ton of time and he has to make his second read, trying to look over a gigantic defensive line. So um, I don't necessarily think it's that they're fake. Good. I just don't think they're necessarily that good yet. They have a top 15 quarterback, with two amazing receivers, a below-average defense kind of thing.
2: Yeah, Bob, thoughts on on Miami, or maybe just both sides of that game? Kansas City didn't exactly wow everyone for four quarters either. Travis Kelsey did nothing uh, as well, and talking about Miami. But also, I think Kansas City, we've seen some of the same problems with Kansas City Uh, when Travis Kelsey's not cooking. There's nothing. There's no consistency.
4: Well, I think you're starting to see the game plan that teams are going to start implementing down the stretch and, you know, potentially in the playoffs against the Chiefs. And that's just, just take away Travis Kelsey and make these other receivers get open. And it's seeming to be a problem for the Chiefs. Um, They almost threw that game away yesterday. For the Dolphins, I have and I'm still not a believer into it. I got to be honest, it might be a mean thing to say. And it's not just the arm strength thing. I just don't think he's the guy. I mean, he's a serviceable quarterback. He's like, like you just said, maybe top 15. I'd give him that, um, maybe. But I just don't think he's the guy. And I hate to harp on one or two plays because it's a, you know, it's an every down NFL and, you know, you got to look at the whole game. But, you know, if Tyreek Hill doesn't fumble before halftime when they're in scoring range, whether it be six or three points, and if Tua doesn't, I don't know if the ball just slipped. I don't know if it was slippery. The ball just slips out. He had a potential touchdown there on the uh, potential game dying drive at the end of the game. Maybe it's a different conversation today, but I think we've seen enough of a sample now to think that, yeah, Miami's good. They might be in that second tier, but they're probably not in that upper echelon. They've now been 0-3 against teams with winning records this year, and I have no reason to believe that will change anytime soon, although I do want to see this offense with uh, a chain back in once he gets healthy.
2: My my thing is, like two, in in Miami, on in, the um, devil's advocate here, Every like eight or nine throws, Tua throws a ball, and and you're like, that that's an elite, that's a top three throw, that's an elite elite throw. But then like, you know, he holds on to the ball too long, strip sack, or just dumb, just doesn't make dumb decisions. I, I feel like we're seeing like a second year kind of quarterback, but the problem is he's in his fourth year now. Yeah. I feel like we're seeing too many things that were like should be. In the preliminary developmental stages of a quarterback, and like we're still seeing some of that, and that's why I think he's a top half of the league quarterback. But he shows ceilings of incredible, like elite stuff. It's just, it's just not all there, and I don't know how much better it can get with the cast and the play calling around him. Pretty damn good situation for anybody. So, you take Tyreek away, or you take the play calling away, and I think you might see a little more regression, but so they got the Raiders, and who knows, after the Raiders fired their whole staff, were favored by one and a half, and absolutely waxed the Giants, by the way, and Giants fans are in hell right now, yeah. You give Daniel Jones, who threw what, what was the number, 15 touchdown passes last year, the bag, and finally comes back, and I, I like Daniel Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, talk about developing, like, you, you gave a guy who was developing the bag. And he goes out there, and I hope for a speedy recovery. But he, his season's done, and we're already in, no, in November. And depending on how he heals up, will he be ready for, you know, whatever opening week is next year? I, I'm i not sure. Giants fans are in hell right now. And Saquon only got, what, a one-year extension? Uh, says he, he says he wants to you know, be a Giant, but if I'm Saquon, I'm thinking, no, I'm out of here, man. I'm out of here. T- tough Tough for I, I can't think of anything positive to say about Giants football right now, and I feel really bad about that, guys. I can't think
3: of anything. Of and I don't think we need to. I think we can just give them a quick <laughs> moment of silence, and then uh, you know move on to the next topic.
2: <laughs> just backtracking, Dolphins uh, have the Jets twice in the next five weeks. Those are going to be prove it defense. Like like, win one of those games. Like show me you got that grit. Of course, sandwiched in between. You got the Commanders and the Titans, who I can't figure out from week to week either. So uh, the the Jets, and then they have Dallas. A lot of, lot of blitz, a lot of man coverage. Another kind of prove-it spot. Uh, and then uh, at Baltimore on New Year's Eve. Like, huge prove-it spot as well. So we're going to find out uh, the identity of these Dolphins, if they have the grit to, uh, you know, win a handful of these games, and we'll see where they're at. But... Let's look ahead at this coming week in the NFL. I'm pulling up the player pricing for the first time and looking at the matchups here. Uh, The first one I'm looking at is Cleveland-Baltimore. Oh, going to be a divisional, grinded-out type of game most likely. Um, Detroit and the Chargers, first look, probably one of the DFS kind of environments people are going to be touting between... You know Jameer Gibbs and St. Brown. You know the Chargers can't stop a nosebleed, and you know I'm not really sold on Detroit's defense either. And another 425 game. Ooh, Seattle and Washington is an interesting spot off the rip. Two secondaries that also can't stop a nosebleed. Sam Howell is on pace to break the single season dropback record, I believe, as of right now. And, and we know Seattle has that funnel too. They'll they'll stop the run and, and make you try to beat them uh, in the air. So. My first look here, TJ, is those two 4 o'clock games, Washington, Seattle, Detroit Chargers. Seems like there's some right plays that you might need just a piece of. Like, don't play all the chalk, but I bet you in there somewhere is going to be an optimal piece or two.
3: A little bit of Amon Ross, St. Brown in there. I don't mind that one bit. Um, I found, like, this was the first week in a while that my my second my like second half of the my afternoon team, sorry, didn't let me down. Like three weeks in a row, I just crushed the mornings Then I just needed a little bit of something from the afternoon and it didn't happen. And then this week, my after, my morning sucked and then my afternoon teams came in and crushed it. So I need uh, – I'm going to be hoping to find that little balance here. And I think in the first half of, of games next week, I'll maybe focus on that Tennessee offense and passing passing a little bit, get me on some DeAndre Hopkins, a little bit of Will Levis, and then in the afternoon just get a little bit of a, something like a mini stack of – some Austin Eckler, Amon Ross, St. Brown, especially if I'm playing a little cheap quarterback. Yeah, I
2: tell you what, Bob Hopkins, Evans sounds like a nice little correlation. Hopkins Godwin, like Kate Otten's a thing. Um, Tennessee has been a run funnel, really good front four, kind of like the Eagles, similar scheme. They like to just send the basic four, but they've been getting gashed on the ground too lately. too. I'm, I'm I'm willing to say, unless Will Levis is like a like an alien, they're not going to rip off the next four and and contend for a wild card. Hey, who knows? I mean, he went into Pittsburgh in his second career start and and was pretty good, all things considered. And Tennessee has multiple offensive line injuries as well. They have arguably the worst you know, pass protection right now in the league. So um, that being said, I, I'd be shocked if Hopkins wasn't peppered with targets. Um, and we just you know C.J. Stroud just had his way with that Tampa uh, secondary as well. So that, that's a really interesting pair there. Um, thoughts collectively, like what catches your attention first on this kind of main slate? There
4: are three receivers. And by the way, I don't know what's the status on Traylon Burks. I know he got, he got hospitalized during the, uh, I don't know, buddy, but it's Kyle
2: Phillips season regardless. He was a showdown wonder for me last week. And unfortunately I, I couldn't get there.
4: So there are three receivers, just at a glance, that stick out to me already in this, uh, this upcoming slate, and you already mentioned two of them. Um, Dre Hopkins against Tampa Bay, pass funnel, absolutely. Uh, Amon Ra versus the Chargers, absolutely. And the one that I have targeted the most this year, and I will go right back to the well every time there is a semi-competent offense, which clearly the Patriots were not yesterday. Our wide receiver ones versus the Commanders. Wide receivers versus the Commanders this year. These are some of the lines, by the way. I tweeted this out uh, earlier last week. These are some of the lines wide receivers have had against the Commanders this season. Marvin Mims has had two for one thirteen and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs has eight for one eleven. AJ Brown in two games has had nine for one seventy five and two touchdowns. Eight and one thirty for two touchdowns. DJ Moore, the DJ Moore hat trick game, two hundred thirty three yards, a hat trick and touchdowns. Drake London, who. This was with Ritter at quarterback. Had nine for a buck twenty-five. Jalen Hyatt had two for seventy-five. Yeah, give me DK Metcalf this week against Washington. Those are the three receivers that I will probably be starting or flirting around in my lineups with this week. D Hop, uh, DK Metcalf, and Amon Ross St. Brown.
2: The food for thought, OGs, uh, were, were, are well aware of receivers against Commanders. So I'm glad Chief and I hit on that uh, about a month and a half ago. But oh. no Mahomes on the slate, right? Herbert looks like a pay up spot at quarterback. Uh, I'm interested to see how things kind of shake out at quarterback. I mean, Sam Howell's still very cheap. He'll probably be, he'll garner more ownership than he typically does. I mean, maybe even Jared Goff against the Chargers. But one thing is clear about Detroit and football guy Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson is if they can run the ball, they will continue to run the ball regardless of matchup. I mean, I, I'm still kind of shocked. I shouldn't be, but I'm shocked Jameer Gibbs had 30 carries. doesn't matter who it is back there. You can't keep giving Jameer Gibbs 30 carries. I mean, come on. But they were doing the same thing. They were cramming David Montgomery down everyone's throat, and he was averaging like 3.2 yards a carry, and they didn't care because they had the game script. So I'm a little hesitant to play Jared Goff just because I don't know what the touchdown equity really is. But uh, quarterbacks, TJ, anything in particular that, you know, Sam Howell obviously kind of interesting for large field stuff
3: um the guy that sticks out to me the most is joe burrow just because his price should not be what it is like joe burrow is 6800 on draftkings and he should be up near justin herbert he's an elite quarterback um he was priced down low because of his injury he had one bad game and now uh draftkings has been reluctant to price him back up but you look at his scores over the past few games 25 27 15 27. Um, he's playing like an elite quarterback and he's priced in the mid tier. And I don't think he should be. So Joe Burrow is probably going to be like the first place I'm looking to go from an optimal standpoint. Um, and then if I need to go like, oof, it really gets ugly as you go try and cheaper. So it'd be like, I think it's going to be um, Joe Burrow and Geno Smith as my top two quarterbacks this week.
2: What's CJ Stroud's ownership gonna be, guys? Six thousand nine hundred at at uh, Cincinnati with an encore like that. Uh, what are we gonna see? I mean, no Mahomes on the slate. Who else is on a buy? No Josh Allen on the slate. Uh, two big two no, no on the slate. Uh, yeah, you're missing. You're missing some integral options here. That usually, you know, carry some ownership. We are we talking like ten percent CJ Stroud for tournaments?
3: Probably about that.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, is this? I mean, Geno Smith has been brutal. L- long if there's gonna be a spot, like if he's not gonna do it against Washington. I mean, you mentioned Metcalf, even even Lockett. I mean, both those guys cheap. Sixty eight hundred for DK, sixty one for Lockett. Um, you have to have some Geno in your pool if you're multi-entering. Then like it's even a little bit, he's it, been brutal for fantasy purposes. Bad, but I, I go back to um, was it was it Lions? Panthers, where some value opened up and everyone played, there was, there was some substantial amount of ownership on some Lions pieces, even like uh Josh Reynolds, or, or I can't remember exactly what it was, but Jared Goff went off and no one played him, he was like three percent. It's just kind of like okay, if you're on the receivers, there has to be some element of potential correlation with the quarterback, right? So don't exclude uh Geno Smith if you're you know about DK Metcalf or, or Tyler Lockett this weekend, I think. Bob, you got. Any you know, other quarterback thoughts?
4: Uh, Fanduel, Geno Smith, super cheap right now, 6,900. And uh, Will Levis 6,800. Um, as opposed to DK, Burrow is priced up on Fanduel. He's at 8,200 right now. So, yeah, pay, pay it down right now. See, this drought is 7, 7. Um Yeah, it looks like if you're going to pay down, Geno Smith and Will Levis looks like the move here.
2: Running back, I, I'm just looking here. Rashad White, you know, caught a lot of passes. There was some coach speak last week about getting him the ball in space. So I think Rashad White is interesting. You know, Kenneth Walker still 7K against that Commanders uh, kind of depleted front now after all the moves there. Tony Pollard 7,300 against the Giants is screaming. That's most likely going to be the chalk play at running back. I'm, I'm thinking um, Tony Pollard against the Giants. TJ. What are your thoughts? Is that an obvious, obvious, like, optimal type of play?
3: Yeah, I think so. He is currently has the league lead right now in most touches in a row without receiving a touchdown by a very, very, very wide margin, and I think he pretty easily breaks that this week against the Giants. The Giants are just terrible in shambles. Um, I think, like, a Pollard, Pollard with Cowboys defense is probably, like, a pretty clear chalk style optimal mini stack for this slate you know bob one one tournament look i'm curious to see how san
2: francisco responds after the time off they're they're banged up and i said this to chief last week like this is who the niners are struggling but who are they going to be in a month right you get trent williams back you get debo back you add chase young um you get a little healthier the bye week came at uh, brock purdy i i i'm sorry I, obviously i'm not a doctor and in TJ's words, I'm not a rocket uh, surgeon. Surgeon. <clears throat> yes. I do, which I don't know what is, but sounds important. Uh, but I don't know how Purdy was. All I know Purdy.
3: is I'm not that.
2: That <laughs> makes three of us, buddy. But Brock Purdy got the quick clear. I mean, concussions can really linger. Obviously, everyone heals differently. And again, not a rocket surgeon. But um, the buy was a necessity. And the defense. Uh, very leaky. We saw Minnesota get to them. Um, I'm kind of interested in some Jaguars to to make uh, Niners on the road. Got the bye week, but they're playing on these. I kind of want to see San Fran prove it. That like, for lack of a better term, they got their shit together. I, I want, I, no one's really going to play these Jaguars, right? I mean, ETN will carry a little bit of ownership by default. Are, is, is the field really going to be like, yeah, maybe the Niners do stink and everyone's like 15%. I don't think so. And Trevor Here's Lawrence the- hasn't been great lately either. 6K only though. Has that rushing she- upside? A little bit of legs. I want to see the Niners prove it. That would be like, if I'm making 30 lineups, I would want you know, five or six Jaguar stacks, I think. Am I nuts, Bob? Or is that kind of in play? I don't think they're nuts. I think the Jags could be in play because you look at the you look at the Niners schedule.
4: I, I mean, we don't know who this team is. Now again, they just got a, a, another good pass rusher. Um, but we look at, this, look at the, the Niners schedule here. I mean... They haven't played a lot of, of crazy good teams. I mean, they started off with against the Steelers. They played the Rams, I believe, without Cooper Cup. They played the Giants, the Cardinals, who are in the shambles. Um, you know, they beat down the Cowboys. That was probably the first a game. Then they played the Browns. And then they've lost – I mean, well, they, they lost three straight. They lost to the Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals. And the Vikings and Bengals were kind of moving the ball on them now. And the Jaguars probably moved the ball just as well as maybe any of those teams. Um, tell you what. I don't think you could go wrong with a couple uh, shares of some Jaguars this week, but it'll be interesting to see. With a a bye week under their belt, maybe San Fran bounces back. I think this is their bounce back week. I still do think they are one of the best teams in the NFL, let alone the NFC. But I got to see it, man, because three straight losses is not something that a, uh, a Super Bowl contending team is supposed to do at any point of the season.
3: I think it makes a lot of sense additionally, too, because like you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence at 6K, that whole team is so damn cheap. So I can run a full stack if I'm playing something in a large field, I can play a full stack Lawrence Kirk Ridley and Ingram three pass catchers with my quarterback run it back with Trevor, Christian McCaffrey and if I plug in a cheap defense for my last three positions I have 5400 remaining that is more than enough to do something good with. And so not only can I do a full stack, but I can do a full stack with the expensive run back on the other team. And it's probably still going to be pretty well-owned because it's San Francisco.
2: Even if you want to pay up and just play McCaffrey and don't want to like full stack, you have a ch- many cheap Jaguar, little mini correlation options to run it back with uh, Calvin Ridley. You know, people are kind of over him and the production hasn't been there, but the volume's still there. Last four weeks, eight targets, eight targets, four targets, ten targets. 5,600. I mean, I kind of like the idea of having McCaffrey-Ridley run back. Christian Kirk seems like he, the people are saying, well, he's the alpha now. I, I still kind of think Ridley's ceiling is, like, a little bit higher than Kirk. It's getting the volume. Um, McCaffrey and a Jaguars receiver is really interesting to me for this coming week. Anything else uh, you guys want to, you know, anything sticking out? looking ahead at this uh, DFS pricing before we start closing out a little bit here.
4: I would love, and it's, it's something that we're probably going to talk about here in, in a second, but uh, man, it just sucks that Montgomery's coming back, man. Cause Gibbs against the chargers who are just a funnel for running back targets in the backfield out of the backfield. Um, but with Montgomery back, probably enough to stay away until you get a, a feel for this backfield.
2: I mean you could you could play Montgomery and people might be shy but I mean he had a month to to get right and um Detroit was on a bye right so Yeah there's a chance Here we go football guy. Oh, you're healthy. 25 carries. David Montgomery. <laughs> right. P- people Campbell did sick. just have a
3: quote from like a couple hours before we started recording saying that like obviously he's not going to get as crazy of touches as he's had in the last few games, with uh, David Montgomery expected back this week, but their goal is to give him more than he had been getting pr- uh, prior. Wow, uh, I know, I it, know it's Monday, and like
2: we don't have a lot of stuff, and we're kind of speculating on things. Um, but one thing is New Eng- New England ran a lot more two tight end stuff with how banged up they were. Hunter Henry and Gazicki each ran about forty routes on 42 Mac Jones dropbacks. I
3: think that's right. Yeah, so, and then Hunter Henry it was what 36 or 39?
2: Yeah. So I mean if you're looking for like a a dart throw, I mean those guys are running routes. If if New England's receiver room is still in the state that it's going to be in, could sue some more, you know, two tight end Bill Belichick stuff. And you know what I and obviously they have problems, but you know what I had this thought the other day. I think they're really just a stupid organization. <laughs> I think Tom Brady really bailed them out, but, but I think their biggest mistake is that all that money, and they were like, "Let's spend it all in one off season. So we'll throw forty million or whatever, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Yeah, let's pay for two tight ends, right? Let's give uh Devontae parker another 30 million dollar <laughs> extension and they yeah, all bring loose uh used car part juju smith schuster like they're like oh, we have the money we have to spend it now it's like a little kid going in a best buy in the electronics section with 20 dollars, and he spends it all in 30 seconds like like cool you have the cap space doesn't mean you need to pay two tight ends of a substantial amount of money jenny smith still making money off that contract uh at least arthur smith's using him <laughs> because Bill Belichick didn't use them, like they just splurge. We're like, let's use it now. Like, God, like forward think a little bit. And now, now I just don't know. Like, I know I said the Giants fans are in hell, but I don't know what kind of shape the Patriots are in right now. I, I, I could,
4: I could tell you they're, they're rostering and throwing out Jalen Rieger in 2023. So, oh,
2: God, feel free, Pat <laughs> fans. What, what a difference like five years makes, right? It's crazy. Um, I guess we could do a little story time in GPP food of the day. I don't know if you have any good stories, CJ, but I got a I got a GPP food thought for Bob while I give you a minute to think of it. Bob, Philly guy. Obviously, I would say most people are like, oh, cheesesteaks. Associate Philadelphia with cheesesteaks, so I don't know. Maybe that's accurate. I am about an hour outside of Philly. You grew up in Philly, South Philly. Rank me, like, give me your top three or five cheesesteaks. In Philadelphia, I need I need to hear this, and I know this is going to be controversial because it always is. So I'm curious if any of our listeners are going to roast you about your cheesesteak biasness or not.
4: Okay, first and foremost, I will tell you. And if you're a tourist, if you're coming to visit Philly, you're more than welcome to. But the only time you go to Geno's, which are the touristy spots, is when you are a tourist or you don't know what a good cheesesteak is. They are fine. They are average. They are acceptable. But if you're going to get a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, you don't go to Pat's or Gino's. Me personally, my favorite number one has got to be Jim's. Jim's on South Street. Um, yeah, Jim's on Jim's on South Street is number one in my opinion. Um, it's been a staple for a long time. <sighs> I don't know if I could rank the rest, but I mean, I could just give you a top five. I don't know if I could rank them, but Steve's is definitely one. Uh, Steve's is one. Uh, D'Alessandro's is another one.
2: Um why are most of these places one syllable first names of a guy? Like Jim, <laughs> Steve's, uh Pats Geno's. Like I get it. They're probably the guys that opened it, but uh it's kind of funny. One syllable <laughs> first uh, I'll throw, I'll, I'll, throw
4: I'll, I'll throw you I'll throw you off for one then. I don't know if I put it in my top five, but Ishka Bibbles is is, is four or five syllables? <laughs> yeah. But um Is that a real place? It is also on South Street. Ishka Bibbles. Um no, I don't I I don't think they would make my top five though. But um i mean you have john's roast pork um is that yes, is, is that a terminal market there no that's uh down like front it's down like uh what's the roast Columbus pork place Lundler? in
2: Reading terminal that that that's baller too Can't a
4: yeah, you can't go wrong anywhere in Reading terminal um what i named four just now four and then a fifth one Morgan <laughs> steaks ralph Bertram, sup? up <laughs> shout steaks out ralph organ steaks is okay um Phil's on on 24th and and like pass junk is, is pretty good too i don't know i think they fell off in recent years but i i would say Phil's on, on 24th street that would be TJ, my top you,
2: five
3: tj you, you visited new york city recently was that your first time there no that was uh about my fourth time there i think my uh it worked out really well because i got uh the agent's phantom got approved for like four press passes for a new york comic-con and then it was just my 30th birthday in june and so um my mom and i had been to new york together twice before and she wow. just loves new york and so i managed to convince her to do like a, hey what about a 30th birthday trip together we'll go to new york again and then so she went to some shows and i went to comic con throughout the weekend um so what did you, you get to, there? what kind of food so, do you get in new york city so, so I, I i exclusively like when i'm there i basically try and exclusively get like as much pizza as possible and I try and do a lot of like bodega eating because I do just like that's one of my favorite parts of New York is that I love that I can just walk into a store and it has yeah. any drink I need any and then amazing looking sandwiches amazing looking pizza bakery with just a absolute smorgasbord of options and so that's what I try to do mostly I try not like go to many sit down places as often it's just like stop by pick something up and then either eat it with some friends eat it back at the hotel room while i'm watching something um something like that so i didn't have as much time to do like some fine dining really like scout out places while i was there um just so you made the because right call was, that's what you yeah, do when you go to New yeah. York City.
2: you did the right and thing.
3: so i was like i was working so much while i was there it was basically like wake up in the morning I was still doing my roto grinders articles while I was there. So I was trying to do like all my content early in the morning, go do our interviews and stuff throughout the day at comic-con and then have some time to explore. And then by the end of the day, I was just so damn hungry that it's like, all right, I need to find one of these places, fill up a, fill up a bag of food, take it back to the, take it back to the hotel and eat while I do some more writing.
2: Bacon, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. So I need to know in your New York Mm.
3: city. That does sound good right now. I'm getting hungry right now. That made me realize that I have not eaten enough food yet today, Luch.
2: Did I cut you off for for a story time thought? I just knew you made that New York trip and you
3: did the right thing with pizza because New York pizza is undefeated for sure. Yeah, even like bad pizza in New York is still good, like really good pizza anywhere else. And so um, I absolutely love me some New York pizza. So that was the main thing I dove into. No, that was honestly, I still wasn't sure where I was going to go with it with for my, for My story time, uh, because like I'm just so hungry right now that I don't know where I'm. So I'm happy that you gave me a direction to take it. So, uh, as long as uh, I can talk about anything, as long as I get pushed in the right direction. So, uh, I'm happy know. that you gave me that little nudge. <laughs> have, have, have
4: we tried? Have we tried Wawa Pizza I, I don't not. know
2: if you, do you, you've probably never even seen a Wawa. You're from Saskatoon, yeah. Did I do that, right? Yeah, so what do you it. like? Oh, I'm so good at this. So, what, what do you what's the staple delicacy of Saskatoon? Is there a food? Like, what do you, what do you eat up there? You're hungry. So like you have to, if you
3: leave the house, where do you go? Like, what do you do? So, I mean, same like almost the same as anywhere else. Like the, we have most of the same chains as uh, the United States. where well, there's a few that we don't have, but like our go-to fast food places are like, uh, and like, so I talked about this last time I was on food for thought, actually, or maybe it was the first time, but, a and w in canada is so much better than a and w in the united states i don't know what it is but like the menu's different the everything and it's so so much better that's like our number one it's a little bit more pricier but that's like our number one nice uh fast food place here there's the mcdonald's the burger kings the wendy's all five guys all these things but like you know how five guys is kind of like a step above most fast food places. It's like maybe not quite sit down, but it's, it's like middle class. Food.
2: It's like uh Chipotle Mo's. It's like, in yeah. Between, yeah. Like-
3: That's what AW also is here. Mm-hmm. So it's like AW is kind of on like that five what guys makes it class better? here. I know like the, the menu is different. So it's like okay. the, the burgers are like, they're spiced nicer. They're there's the flavoring is different. The condiments are different. Um, it's just, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, they're really, really good here. And then there's this one place in Saskatoon that I love, and I believe this is local. Um, so there was a restaurant called, uh, Congress was like a restaurant and bar here called Congress. And then they had these, and it was mostly a bar, but they just had these burgers that like everybody loved. And so the place that they got their burgers from started their own little burger joint in Saskatoon, and it's called ACE burger. Um, and so the two places I love, I'm a big burger guy, burger and pizza are like my two favorite foods. And then the other one is that I always make at home and it's crepes. I love breakfast. Now food. you sound Crapes, like an American. You, you
2: spend some time in New York and
3: it's burgers and pizza and I love it. You fit right yeah. in. <laughs> uh, exactly. Right. And then, so like, I love breakfast food too. So I always make crepes, pancakes and waffles at home. So that's what I made yesterday it was crepes. But when I go out, um, I love a nice burger. And so the two places I get them here in Saskatoon are ACE burger and it has. I I always like to. I don't like the whole idea of like a, a medium well or a medium burger. I always get them well done. But they do do that there because they all like it's all like well, they do they all their well beef done. in the house. Yeah, I don't like for uh, ground beef you for ground right beef. Right I now. don't like the pink for ground for ground beef. I don't like the pink. I'll, for yeah. I, for a steak, don't get me wrong. I'm getting medium. I'm getting medium. We're gonna rare, remove but, your American card now. <laughs> but for for ground beef, I don't like. Uh, I don't like the pink for ground beef. I was just always. I was told that steak you can get it rare ground beef you, you you don't do it and so even when they cut their beef in-house uh it's just like a weird little ick stuck in the back of my head but ace burger they have it they do a great great fresh burger the fries are amazing they give you a nice lemonade with it and the other place i go to that i love is fuddruckers fuddruckers is alive and well in saskatchewan saskatchewan and i love that place <laughs>
2: Definitely not one syllable. Uh, For time purposes, we're going to get out of here. Hell of a show. That was fun. Bobby, we could do a Wawa versus Sheets debate, but we would need an entire another episode. So next time you come back, and I'm pro Wawa, by the way, but of course, uh, we will have that discussion at some point. Where can the people find you on Twitter, Bobby?
4: Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter. You guys can find me on Twitch. You guys can find me on YouTube, anywhere, Uh, Bobby V. It's mostly Bobby with two Ys, underscore V, except
2: for YouTube, just Bobby V. And, uh, yeah,
3: appreciate it, buddy. TJ drop your Twitter handle for the people. TJ underscore Zwarich five Z W A R Y C H tough to remember. But if you are watching us in video form, uh, it does have that tag up here, uh, as well. And honestly, you can always find my stuff over at rotor grinders, but I would just say, give a follow to agents of fandom at agents, fandom on Twitter and TikTok, agents of fandom everywhere else. We're always doing all kinds of crazy content, whether it, like TV, movies, we diving into a little bit of sports, uh, anime, video games, all of it. So make sure you tune in there. You, we cover a whole bunch of different niches. And so most people, <clears throat> pardon me, should be able to find theirs.
2: Well guys, great show. My boys here, Bobby and TJ, I'm the Luge. Congrats again to our guy chief, Will Priester, who's doing wedding stuff uh he will be back he will be back we'll bring the chief back we promise you that so tj and bobby i'm the luch good luck everybody thanks for tuning in have a good week